Welcome to the Concrete Solutions Network. Good morning and welcome back to the Concrete Solutions Network. I'm Chris Kader, your host, and on today's session, we are going to talk about the topic of mock-ups and their importance. And with us to do that this morning is Jake Holland of Summit Sealants out of Englewood, Colorado. Jake, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. What we're going to do today in this uh, mock-up topic is we're going to cover some of the more technically related aspects of the mock-ups. So um, mock-ups are, are, in my opinion, and Jake, I'm sure you could share the same sentiments. They're worth their weight in gold, so to speak, because what they'll do is they'll kind of predictively forecast and in an educated fashion give the client an idea as to what they can expect. And you can establish metrics for scaling the rest of a larger size job. You can establish for your own self as the installer, and I'm sure you can you can talk a little bit about that here in a second, uh, some of the materials and tools you'll actually wind up using after exploring a little bit and performing a mock-up on uh, any given job that's set to go. So, Jake, I'll, uh, I'll turn it over to you. Again, thanks for, for being on the show. And uh, just in your experiences doing this, uh, with especially with blindside chemical grout injection, give us, if you could, please, Jake, some of the experiences you've had as to why it's important to establish the idea and get the client to buy into doing a predictive mock-up. Yeah, so thanks again for having me, Chris. I, I think you hit it on the head. The The mock-up is worth its weight in gold, and I, I, I constantly preach management of expectations, and that's the expectations of the owner as well as the expectations that we have as the installer throughout that installing uh, application of the material and knowing where our placement's going to be, what kind of travel we're having in the material, you know, do we need a low viscosity, super low viscosity? Do we need to, to cut it because the, the soils are absorbing a lot of it? And so we need to control our, our cure times and blow it back into the soil. And, and the mock-ups really tell you everything that, that you need to know throughout that process to make sure that when you expand it to the full application of the project, that you're achieving the results that you've told the ownership group that you can achieve and, and not set a false expectation, but a controlled expectation for both the owner and yourself. And, and as you know, that's key because that's the, the basis of the reputation of the material, the contractor and the supplier all working together to meet the expectation that's been sold to the ownership group. Yeah, no, very good points, Jake, for sure. In terms of the patterns, for example, on a blindside injection, it's different, obviously, than crack injection. There's a different setup as the installer that you need to establish with respect to your port spacing. If you don't mind, speaking a little bit about some of the actual distances and different types of uh, varied setups that you could do and use on a, on a blind side. What, what have been some of your experiences there, Jake? So, you know, there's the diamond pattern, uh, uh, which is just as it sounds, right? You, you basically place your ports uh, in the shape of a diamond across the wall. And, you know, personally, I like to start out at like 18 inches on center as it relates to that port placement and then have your and that's horizontal and then from your uh, vertical application your next port would be right in the middle of that 18 inches on center yeah. and 
that allows a, a little bit of the, the pancake pattern, if you want to call it that, on the back yep. side of the wall to really intersect. The reason I like starting personally at 18 inches is because traditionally we're going to get that 18 inch travel on the back side of the wall. But what yeah. I can usually tell immediately with that 18 inch pattern is I'm looking for that port to port movement on the wall. Uh-huh. And if I can get the travel to pass two or three ports, that's now telling me one, my pressure is on two, I'm getting phenomenal travel. And, and this is all, this is just another reason why this mock-up is so important is because now I know, Hey, I can go 24 inches to 36 inches on center. Yeah with my diamond pattern, I'm reducing the cost to the owner. I'm reducing labor necessary for the job. And I know I've got the right material because I'm getting that port to port travel. Yep. You, know, you can also do the square pattern. And traditionally, if you, if you start to get that great movement out of the, starting with that diamond pattern, you could really just go to the square pattern because you know that you're getting phenomenal travel there. Got it. And so that's, that's traditionally how we, we like to look at it um, throughout the mock-ups. And, and that's really kind of the two major patterns is the square and the diamond pattern. Traditionally, like I said, we start with the diamond pattern and, and we check our flow rates. It has happened where I haven't even gotten port-to-port movement on an 18-inch on-center diamond pattern. Wow. And we've had to reduce that to an 8-inch on-center diamond pattern. Um, and, and that kind of goes into what your substrates and your and your your soils and compaction rates on the backside of the wall are. If you're injecting into the soil and you have a, a, you know, a low compaction in the soil, uh, you have a very angular gravel on the backside of that, you know, you're, you're not going to get phenomenal movement. And, and what we've found is, is traditionally, we almost have to double inject each one of those ports, right? Come in, we need to blow a, a cut back into that soil, cure it extremely fast, but at a, at a very low viscosity so that we get good travel into it. So that way we're not just dumping material in, in, into the, the soil and the gravel. And then come back once once you've blown that come back now and hit it again with a super low viscosity that's going to have that pressure up against the wall forcing it now to travel laterally vertically and 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 we get that pattern now that we're looking for you know if we if we can get in between like a bentonite waterproofing that was attached to like a lagging system on the backside of that wall and we can drill our ports but not blow through that that waterproofing system then, then traditionally we found we get phenomenal travel at that layer because we, we already have the pressure of that waterproofing now imposing its force up against our grout, causing that lateral and vertical migration <laughs> of the material to occur. Like a backstop of sorts pushing back on us, Jake. Absolutely. Some amazing points there. And for listeners out there, Jake touches on something that I really like, kind of rewinding to the beginning of of what you were talking about. It establishes transparency and and it ties into that idea of not drawing a line in the sand. It's us against the client. It's it's nonsense to, to have that kind of mindset. And too often, at least in my experience, Jake, and I'm sure you can share these sentiments, you wind up in meetings where it's an us and them mentality. And I think what a mock up does is it serves as a bit of a ubiquitous and a common thread for everybody on the job to be in on it together. Like you, you approach it as a team and you, you start uh, establishing trust with the end user. And I, I think it's, like I said, it's extremely valuable. Awesome points, Jake. 
not to dwell on it, but definitely to throw it out there. Packers themselves, okay, mechanical packers, and for listeners out there, these are the ports through which you inject the material through the substrate and ultimately to the backside of the wall. Sizing on those, Jake, in your experience, talk a little bit, if you could, please, on the diameter of the packers, the length, and why as you go through a mock-up process. So if, if we were talking... Well, about 15 years ago, I, it would have been that standard 5.8 Packer. They they weren't even really using the Zerk fittings all that much back then, mm. uh, you know. And that's that's really what what we did day in and day out. And and nowadays, you know, with the with the Zerk fitting, I don't ever see a need really to go above the 3.8 inch Packer. I, I mean, maybe if the the reality is with the Zerk fitting, there's just no need in my mind. That that old 5.8 hole that you got to come back and fill and and repair and you know yeah. take care of just isn't necessary anymore. So I you know it, at least in house here we pretty much stick with the the three eighths inch Zerk fitting packers. They work phenomenal. We've been able to take those to to great pressure. Um, yeah. You know little in in house trick that we use. You know a lot of people will just pack those in and screw them tight. Um, we've actually gotten into the habit of actually dipping them into the grout prior to actually putting them into the wall. Yeah. Um, the grout activates inside and, and then just provides us an additional uh, seal at that point in time. And, and we've achieved some pretty phenomenal pressures and, and are able to get phenomenal travel through yeah. that 3/8 inch packer. Um, you know, I know that there's, there's a ton of options out there. Um, we've played with a lot of them. Uh, but at the end of the day, the the five eighths inch packer, you know, you just don't need that annular space anymore, especially considering you're going through the zerk. Yep. Uh, you're going to spend more time drilling at that point in time because you're you're trying to get a bigger bit through the wall. Um, so the the three eighths uh, has been a, a phenomenal option. It performs phenomenally, and yep. you're able to achieve the psi's necessary to move that grout. That's terrific, Jake. I appreciate that insight. That is good. Something, too, that's, that's interesting, we touched on viscosities, and, and that's certainly important. You want to have something that's thin and has the ability in that planar form to travel on the back side of that wall. Phobic phyllic, this is something that I've, I, I, I enjoy, and it kind of brings a, a bit of a, a smile to my face when guys ask the differences and when to use which, because I think a lot of times people mix it up. So when, when doing a mock-up, um, obviously you and I know this, but for listeners out there, your choice between a phyllic and a phobic, uh, Jake, as it relates to a performance mock-up and a predictive mock-up, what do you have to say about that? Well, th- this this can go a lot further too. You know, we can go into stabilizers and then you, you really right. need to evaluate um, your environment, right? Are, are you in the water table? Are you not in the water table? Um, what what are your dry out patterns going to be? Um, do you have a dry out pattern? And and that that ultimately is going to decide which grouts you're going to be using. You know, Colorado, we have some extremely wet months and then and then we we receive all of our moisture it seems like within two months out of the year those two months are spread out by about four months so we go through these extreme wetting and drying cycle gotcha and so we you know the the phobics traditionally work great for us acrylates as well Mm -hmm. 
but you know, one thing that, that you and I have talked about, uh, Chris, is the the latex modifications to yeah. make sure that when we go through these drying cycles, <laughs> that the grout itself back behind the wall, even if it dries out with the soil and doesn't see moisture for two or three months is still a stable product that doesn't shrink out back behind the wall, yep. creating potentially a reoccurring issue that, that we were really hired in the first place to solve. Yeah. And so evaluating those needs um, is really going to help you pick whether you're going philic or phobic, you know, in, in, in Seattle, you know, once again, totally different market. The the other right. thing for us in Seattle is is 98% of what we do is going to be in the water table. And so that then adjusts, once again, what products we're using. You know, the, the acrylates have hit the market hard, and uh, they've really changed our industry uh, to the point where even – iCry has had to, you know, look at adjusting their briefs, the the 710E grouting briefs, because of the acrylates coming into the market with such a strong force because of how stable those grouts really are. Europe has been really showcasing acrylates for decades, and that's because of some of the the materials that a lot of what's uh, out there and, and built in Europe are made of. You get several wides of bricks. Uh, put together to make up these big walls that have been around for hundreds, literally, of years, where the acrylates are super thin and have to get inside and um, permeate and lock in within the substrate. I digress. This is, <laughs> but all great points here. This is um, all good about the acrylates, and we can certainly cover that on another episode. Moving forward a little bit now. So you've you've shot everything, you've injected. Okay, great. Now we're at a point where the things have cured out, and now it's time to do some forensics. One thing, Jake, that really impresses me about your firm is the willingness to put on the table for the client just to make sure that everything is seen through to the end is this idea of coring. Talk to us if you could, and for the listeners out there, about your experiences as it relates to kind of now showtime and kind of proof is in the pudding as you core through what it is you just injected. Absolutely. So we we like to core through the wall on two different occasions. We core through the wall prior to the application. That tells us really what we have on the backside of the wall. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you're looking at as belts and and they're showing a waterproofing yeah. system back behind yep. that. Wall. You know, it's, it's key to verify. Do you, you need to know if that waterproofing system is currently fully adhered or if it's displaced or if it's not even there and you're going into soil. So that so traditionally we core through the wall prior to our first application. And, and traditionally we try to try to hit about 100 to 150 square feet of the worst location on, mm-hmm. on any foundation wall. So when we when we walk through we look for the largest leaks possible. Good. That The reason that we do that is, one, you always want to make sure that you can achieve success in the worst location possible. But two, traditionally, there's the most potential for soil erosion back behind that wall. So we're also going to have the potential for, for cavity, right? So that that's going to give us the worst case scenario for the amount of grout yep. we're placing behind the wall. Yeah, and that that carries down down the road to the owner and giving them an honest assessment of what you think it's going to cost. Because I'd much rather look at the owner at the end of a project and say, "Hey, we used 80 gallons less than anticipated. 
you know, port placement, we reduce the port placement, we're doing phenomenal. Yep. So th- once we get that core, we have a very good idea of what's going behind the wall, going on behind the wall. Then we'll come through, we'll place the grout, we get everything cured out, and we come back and we do a couple random uh, core samples. The goal traditionally is to get it as as centered away from the ports as possible because that that's truly going to tell you that you had that overlap in the grout from port to port. Yes. Punch a two inch core through that wall. And the goal is to bring the core back through with the grout fully adhered to the concrete Uh for ownership to see that the placement was achieved and it was achieved in the hardest to access location because it's as far away from the surrounding ports as possible. Yep. Yeah, you're getting that travel. You're demonstrating a whole host of things there, Jake. Adhesion, travel, that's that's great. That's absolutely fantastic. I mean, I I think that's, yeah, that's a lot because it's one thing to say what something's going to do and even demonstrating your port-to-port travel. But when you can go in and destructively, in a clean way, albeit, get what you've done and take a cross section for proof. I, there's, there's no better in my humble opinion anyway. So I appreciate that. Jake, you've done a phenomenal job on touching some of the technical aspects of mock-ups. Um, again, it's, it's been a pleasure having you on board this morning and talking about the value of mock-ups and how to go about doing a blindside injection mock-up. So important to be able to get everything out in the open early, have transparency on the project and establish that trust with the client. Jake, I want to thank you again on behalf of all of us here and listeners out there. You've received some very good expert uh, analysis and technical explanation this morning uh, from Jake Holland at Summit Sealants. Thanks again and enjoy the rest of the day, Jake. Appreciate having you on the show. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate it. You bet. Bye-bye now.